Hey, everybody, it's Christian Pedersen joined by Dan Dickow on another Gonzaga Nation podcast. Thanks for tuning in on a mailbag edition where we ask Dan, because no, no, literally we have not had a single question submitted for me other than why is this guy on the show? We ask Dan <laughs> the questions that you guys send in. You laughed a little too hard at that one, Dan. Um, we ask people the questions that you guys have sent in on social media. You can hit us up at Fan Nation Zags on all the social media. You can hit Dan up at Dan Dickow 21. Dan. I, being a San Diego native, am really excited about this first question because as soon as I heard it brought up, you know, national news-wise, you know, there's some legitimacy to this question. person wrote in on uh, on Facebook wanting to know, can Gonzaga versus San Diego State become the premier West Coast basketball rivalry? Wow. Uh, good question. Um, you know, when you think of rivalries, at least in college basketball, the first one that comes to mind is uh, Duke, North Carolina. Um, it, it just is what it is. That That's the number one rivalry that comes to mind. There are lots of other good ones, you know, regionally, Michigan, Michigan State, Indiana, Purdue. Um, you know, you got the, the Texas schools that kind of, you know, duke it out down there. And then you got some great rivalries out of the Big East. Uh, you can go kind of almost in any direction as far as, those rivalries. But when you look at the West Coast, I can't think of a truly great rivalry where it's like set your DVR, set aside your time, you're watching this game for sure. I mean, UCLA, Arizona, I mean, yeah, they've had good games, but that hasn't really created that kind of like, hey, I'm dropping everything and watching this game. You know, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, those are regional rivalries. Those don't move the needle uh, across the area. You know, the fact that UCLA and USC are moving to the Big Ten, I don't think that creates the opportunity for USC or, excuse me, UCLA and Arizona to keep that going and creating a rivalry. You know, uh, I'll just me, stop you in saying if you're trying to say that anybody other than USC and UCLA, like that should be the rivalry. And if you're having to reach to UCLA with another school, it's not a rivalry. Like, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. It should be. But, you know, USC is more relevant football wise. UCLA is more relevant basketball wise. Just traditionally. This question has legitimate legs. It is. It's going to be a home and home, so it's two it's two years worth of games. But this feels like both of these schools have maintained a decent upward trajectory over the last ten plus years of basketball. Maybe Gonzaga has had more tournament prowess, is sort of the hipster non Power Five pick. But I don't think that SDSU is all that far behind. Certainly, last year was a coming out year for them on a really high national stage. So. What ha maybe my personal follow up is what has to happen in these two years of a home and home for this to become a sustained game, at least, if not, like they said, a, a premier rivalry on the West Coast. Well, for anything to be a premier rivalry, I think both teams have to be traditionally good. I mean, you kind of alluded to it that Gonzaga has been elite now for some time. San Diego State has been really good for some time. And we will now see if that final four appearance and title game appearance last year kind of elevates them to that kind of next level of prominence. You know, I, I don't I can't say on the West Coast because true basketball people know how good they are, but maybe nationally they've still been overlooked. Um, a lot of it is due to the style that they play defensively. They're unbelievably disciplined and, and tough and grinded out. At times, offensively, they can be hard to watch, but they get it done. The first um, one to 45 is never a thriller on uh, the postgame highlights. 
Yeah, but when you when you talk about a premier rivalry, it has to be a game that is played over and over and over again and have highlight reel type endings. You know, Kawhi Leonard and that crew came into Spokane and 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 beat Gonzaga against Elias Harris years ago. Um, you know, when Gonzaga was ranked really highly. Gonzaga played down in San Diego State a few years back. Those are really kind of the only matchups that they've had that I can remember quickly over the last, you know, 10 years or so. You know, it's starting with a two-year series. Hopefully both schools and both programs feel it was well worth it. And then it extends into a longer-term series. And then I think at that point, uh, if they're they're closely contested games, they provide excitement, then I think you can start talking about a rivalry because – you know, at this moment in time, I don't think they've played enough consistently to make it a true rivalry. Um, that, that's at least just my thoughts about it. Let me put my tinfoil conspiracy hat on for a second and provide also that I think that these two schools maybe kind of somehow hold each other's fates in their hands in terms of long-term conference realignment or health or whatever is going on. And if they can help lift each other up into a national prominence of, oh my gosh, like you said, it's appointment television. It's wow. Saturday at 4 PM Gonzaga and SDSU are teeing off up in Spokane. That's going to be the ESPN game that helps elevate both of these two in a way that leads to TV dollars. So yes, I, I am, I am all for that. I think that there's no other options. Like you kind of listed off all the other schools and there's not a second – there's no one else coming for the throne right now. So, yes, I am oh. all in on this becoming an absolute throwdown showdown of a of a matchup. On to our next case, question. I'm not okay. against it either. It's just going to take a while for it to truly become a rivalry. I think it's a great two-game series that's coming up. It almost uh, – I, I hate to say this, but it almost requires – road wins from but like i feel like gonzaga has to win at san diego san diego state has to win at gonzaga like there has to be bad blood there has to be a little like fire in it i'm absolutely with you on that front that it, it either has to be that or it has to be games that go down to the wire and, and create big time finishes like you, you look at carolina duke i mean there are so many even when even when one of those teams is, has been you know banged up with injuries and or bad at times uh there's iconic moments and iconic shots that you can look back and remember. Um, you know, Capel hits a three, uh, I think, from like half court. Austin Rivers hits a big three. Then you look at the, the UNC side uh, with Stackhouse and that big baseline dunk against Duke. I mean, there's so many things that you memory-wise can remember about those two. So you got to have iconic shots and moments uh, within tight games. Hey, at least we're starting, though. Um, at least we're getting there with the okay. games them being played themselves. Next question that we had, and this one comes in. I, I think I'm still allowed to say this one comes in from Twitter. It might come in from X. I'm a little confused on the note. <laughs> I can't get used to that. That one is going to take me a while to get used to. <laughs> I'm going to wait until my boss tells me exactly how to introduce it on these. But they want to know who is a Gonzaga alumni or player that you have not yet had on the show that you would love to interview? Wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've I've been able to connect with reconnect with a lot of teammates connect with other guys that you know either came slightly before me or slightly after me and have conversations and we'll continue to do that as we get you know closer into the season and into the season but I think there's two guys really actually three that I would love to have on the podcast just to kind of you know 
allow people to hear a little bit more of their stories um, and or me get to know a little bit more about them. The first would be, you know, Chet Holmgren. Obviously, that's an easy one for a lot of people to say they'd love to have him on a podcast. You know, he's got a high profile where, um, you know, he was just on, I think, Kevin Garnett's podcast. So, you know, he's going to be a tougher one to get to. And the other reason he's going to be tougher to get to is simply for the fact that his one year at Gonzaga, um, you know, they were still kind of limiting the availability to get into practice due to all COVID and all these different things. So I wasn't around practice much watching in depth that year. I mean, I was still there, but not as much as normal years that year. And then the, the year before with Jalen Suggs, I mean, practice availability was really limited. So I'd like to connect with him and hear more of his thoughts on, on the game and his time at Gonzaga. Uh, second one would have been a teammate of mine, Roni Turioff. And if anybody that follows Gonzaga, um, knows about Roni. They know about his infectious personality, his, his energy for and excitement for life. But, you know, he's a hard guy to pin down as far as where he's going to be um, two hours from now, let alone two days or two weeks from now. Um, you know, there was a we, we connected a, a year or two back a year or so back on um, text message you know, say, Hey, I'd love to have you on my, my podcast at some point, kind of talk about everything. He goes, I'd love to, uh, I'm just too busy right now. Cause he's traveling the world. He's, he's got one of the most unique, um, jobs, uh, you know, as far as with the NBA, he's, he's an ambassador for the game and the NBA, it, at least he did. I think he still is in that role where he's literally traveling, uh, weekly, um, uh, being a part it of sounds like a great opportunity for you to say to our bosses, Hey, we need a little budget. We're going to Greece to, to get an interview with Roni and we might just, yeah, we might do it on a beach in Mykonos. So yes, yeah, I am never know. Let's, hunt, let's hunt him down. And then the third one would be, uh, a guy who never got eligible at Gonzaga, but I think two, two things here. I think he was a, he would have been a difference maker for the team's that I was on allowing us to go further into the NCAA tournament. Um, but on the other hand, had he not ever been, a, had he been able to play for Gonzaga since the NCAA never ruled him eligible, Roni Turioff probably would not have come to Gonzaga because essentially that was his roster spot. And that would have been Mario Kassoon, uh, seven foot one, unbelievably talented. He was drafted into the NBA and played a couple of years in the NBA uh, after basically just hanging out in Spokane waiting for the NCAA to deem him eligible. They never did. So he was just in Spokane working out with us. Um, that shows you how talented he is, that he never even played a game of college and he was still drafted. I feel like that's a fun trivia answer somewhere that like the, who was the Gonzaga player that wasn't a player that still made it to the NBA. <laughs> I'll take that for 500, please. Last question we got. And this one, if you guys want to check out, we did another podcast this week talking a lot in depth about the new uh, partnership with the Zags Collective. But a couple of people wanted to know, do you think Gonzaga is doing enough in the NIL space? What more could they do? Kind of a vague question, but also kind of a vague space right now. We're starting to get a little bit more idea of what this exists as in terms of, of concrete boundary rules and laws and how it can be applied. But it seems also like it's the right time to ask this question, given the new uh, Zag Collective partnership that's going on. Yeah, that's that is a tough question to answer because there are always going to people that that are going to say, I want you to do more. Why aren't we doing more? Well, it's still a very new space and figuring out and learning what works, what doesn't work, what's allowed, what's not allowed, um, what players may be interested in. 
you know, uh, are a few things to consider and think about. Then the, uh, some of the other things, you know, are um, things that can negatively impact Gonzaga. And the fact that, you know, Gonzaga is a smaller school. I mean, if you want to just kind of split it down the middle, there's 6,000 students. Yeah, if you talk law, uh, law school, you talk grad school, sometimes it's close to 7,500. If it's just undergrads, you're talking more 4,500. But if you just say 6,000, you know, you're talking about an alumni base of a school that's essentially 6,000, maybe going up against collectives for universities that are maybe 50,000 enrollment. And so if you multiply that out by 25, 30 years in regards to, uh, you know, alumni that have the ability to back NIL initiatives and programs, you know, you are at a little bit of a disadvantage. Yeah, the average income for a Gonzaga alum would need to be like five times the average income for a, a USC or a UNC alum or something like that. And so that's, you know, that's that's a numbers game that you're having to overcome. But the thing is, is this Zags Collective uh, is doing an unbelievable job of getting ahead of it. And, and I think they're going to stay ahead of it um, because they're they're being very proactive. They're being creative. Um, you know, and then the Gonzaga alumni and the Gonzaga fan base and the faithful and the businesses in Spokane uh, have also stepped up to the plate and they continuing to step up uh, in this new wave of college athletics and how it works. So, yes, there are disadvantages, but I also think there are advantages because Gonzaga has built such a name brand recognition, uh, not just in Spokane, but on the West Coast. Um, and people want to support, um, you know, a program that is is become elite and they've become elite in doing it the right way. I would also be long term curious. You know, I you mentioned a program. We've always talked about like with this conference realignment and some of this stuff going on that Gonzaga not having a football program can be a bit of a hindrance in terms of them making that TV money and everything. But I will be curious long-term if Gonzaga not having a football program maybe helps level that playing field because some of those bigger schools that you mentioned probably are splitting donors. There's probably some people being like, hey, I'd rather cut a check to the the LSU football program than instead of the LSU basketball program because I like football. When Gonzaga only has basketball and that's the brand and that's the only focus and that that's not just the, pip, the tip of the pyramid, that's the whole thing. I'd be curious if long-term that maybe helps boost back up the numbers a little bit because that's where people want to go with all their money because there is nowhere else really at Gonzaga to split those donations. You're exactly right. That's a really good point. Um, You know, sometimes having a, a, another sport helps you as far as, you know, recognition or name uh, awareness. But I think in this case, the fact that there isn't a roster of, you know, say 75 to hundred football players that, would essentially be, you know, dipping their toes in the same pool of, of NIL money um, that could negatively hurt Gonzaga in this instance, uh, because there's no football. I think it helps Gonzaga basketball players in this instant instance. So uh, you're exactly right. It's a good point to be made. I think that's something that obviously uh, is very important in, in, in the realm of Gonzaga and the NIL. Yeah. I, I don't, I, this will, I'll say like maybe long snappers don't deserve to catch a stray here, but yeah, you don't need the Gonzaga long snapper taking 500 bucks away from a, from a, 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 you know, a Caden Perry or something like that in terms of appearance fees. I'll be curious to see, you know, it's like you you say with some of this stuff, it's going to take a while for it to all flesh out, but I will be curious to see in a couple of years when they start getting true legalized aggregate numbers where Gonzaga maybe actually ranks like, 
like a, on a per capita type balanced out basis. Cause I, I would hope that especially with stuff like this Zags collective partnership that we're launching, that the people can be there to support Gonzaga because the enthusiasm is there in the regular season. The, you know, the kennel is huge. Those kids go on to become adults. Like they're everywhere. So I, I am hoping that the fans come check it all out and you guys can all check out all the great content that we're going to be doing with the Zags collective throughout the whole year. There's going to be some huge exclusives dropping on the sooner rather than later, but as well as throughout the entire year. So make sure you follow us at Gonzaga nation, wherever you get your podcasts so that you never miss anything about that. And you can also go read the articles. You can follow us at fan nation Zags on all the social media until we meet again, Dan, we'll talk to you guys soon.